church, if you brought your Bibles this morning, turn with me, if you would, to the book of 2 Samuel, and I'm reading from the the only uh, ordained translation by the Lord, the good old-fashioned King James Version. The Bible says, 2 Samuel 5 and 13, And David took him more concubines and wives out of Jerusalem after he was come from Hebron. And there were yet sons and daughters born to David. Verse 14. And there be the names of those that were born unto him in Jerusalem. Shemua and Shobab and Nathan and Solomon. Ebhar also and Elishua and Nephek and Japhia and Elishama and Eliada and Eliphelet. Now if we go on down to 2 Samuel, I won't read, but in verse 15 and 16, 16 and 22 and 20 and 3, we see how the great King David, who in 1 Samuel 13, I believe it is, is called the apple of God's eye, or excuse me, that's the psalm that records him as the apple of God's eye. 1 Samuel deals with the blessing of David and calls him a man after God's own heart. Now, this same man after God's own heart also notoriously uh, uh, led the Hittite Uriah, a friend of his. David sent him purposely in battle to be killed so that he could then marry his wife, Bathsheba, which also was probably a lifetime achievement award at the player haters ball. And their son was a guy named Solomon who, uh, as you might have noted in the scripture, was a fan of strange women, had a problem with strange women. Let us go to the Lord in prayer this morning, church. Dear most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before you this morning just asking for your blessing. Lord, we know that cursory reading of the scriptures tells us that, you know, things change and nothing's set in stone. And, you know, certainly we're seeing this play out in the real world in these times that can only be described as troubled and trying and so forth. Lord, we just come before you right now asking you for a little mercy for, uh, you know, our appetites, our physical addiction to the good times and so forth. And right now what I want to get across to the church is just that there's certain ways that we can get around, you know, the hard and fast rules that have been preordained in the scriptures. And so, you know, that said, I guess we should just say, let God be true and every man a liar, particularly where our on vices are concerned and Lord we just bless you and it's with all the praise and the glory that we say Amen now church as I alluded to there in my opening invocation I want to deal with a thought this morning that you know there are several uh, ways around things particularly in this Christian walk that we do that are laid out in the scriptures And I open with the story of King David, a man, as I mentioned, that's called the apple of God's eye, uh, a man after God's own heart, and several other superlatives. And I just want to point out that if it's true that David was the apple of God's eye and a man after his own heart, and if it is then true that God is the same today, tomorrow, and forevermore, and it is then true that uh, God is no respecter of persons, then how is it that uh, King David, even for all his uh, 
valor and so forth, was able to take up several wives. But let's just look over that as there's subject to much debate in the church, or particularly where Mormon brothers and sisters and gender nonconforming folks are concerned. But I think most would agree that the scriptures are pretty clear-cut on this idea that we're not supposed to be shacking up where you ain't supposed to be taking up wives and concubines and probably not supposed to be birthing children from said relationships with those concubines. But then again, if God's no respecter of persons and David did it and he was the apple of God's eye, then, you know, Maybe cut yourself a little slack for, you know, all those love children you have running around out there. Hallelujah. Now, for those of you that say, hey, Bishop, and I, I don't have no problems with uh, shacking up and extramarital affairs and so forth, but my problem is, you know, when my wife goes to bed, I like to log on to that Pornhub Premium and you know, commit uh, what many think the scriptures call onanism. And if you would just turn with me real quick, and we'll read what the Bible has to say on the subject. That is in Genesis 38 and verse 9. And the Bible says, But Onan knew, and Onan being the son of Judah, Onan, but Onan knew that the heir would not be his. And it came to pass when he went to his brother's house. He admitted on the ground, lest he should give an heir to his brother. Now, you know, I have a few feelings on the subject here, but it sounds like my man Onan's not guilty of anything but having world-class dick control. And, you know, how I many know that as we get older that that dick control is just something that comes with it, you know? So, uh, But, you know, a lot of people will point to this and say that... Uh, you know, this is why we shouldn't masturbate, that, you know, the scripture says it's a, a sin to sow your seed on unfertile soil and so forth. But what my man Onan was doing here was not masturbation, but a classic case of coitus interruptus. Now you say, hey, you know, that's not good either. That's not a good thing. Well, I say to you, friend, what if some of the great uh, antagonists of history, what if their parents would have engaged in a little coitus interruptus? Probably been a lot better off, in my opinion. Well, the Bible has much more to say about the subject in particular, so if that answer doesn't satisfy you, let's just turn over, if we would, to the book of Matthew, and we're going to look at... Um, uh, Matthew we're going to look at Matthew 5 starting in verse 27 and the Bible says you have heard it was said to those of old you shall not commit adultery verse 28 but I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with, him, with her in his heart verse 29 if your right eye causes you to sin Pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Verse 30. And if your right hand causes you to sin, and this is the one that a lot of people tie to, uh, you know, what you do when, you know, it's a long Saturday and you pin up in isolation and, you know, your urges get the best of you. 
And the Bible says, And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. So as you can see here, Church of Matthew 5, we got a number of loopholes. One, for uh, all of our gay and lesbian, um, well, for all of our, our gay brothers, you have an immediate loophole because the Bible just says, but I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Exemption. Then we get more. If your right hand causes you to sin... Cut it off, cast it from you. Well, what about our left-handed brothers and sisters out there? Exemption. Man, and I just like think that's about the last word on that subject. Now, I know there's a lot of us out there that uh, every once in a while you like to take a drink. I'll be honest with you. I myself have wrestled with liking to take a drink. And, you know, it's true. Your reverend has probably spilt more whiskey than most men have drank, but. Uh, you know, and there's varying degrees of, uh, varying schools of thought on this in the Bible. I mean, the scripture says to not find yourself drunk, uh, you know, but drunk on the new wine of the spirit. But it also says to, uh, try the spirits, church, and Lord knows I've tried them all. <laughs> but also, the Bible points out to, to us here, too, and, a very working class statement from Ecclesiastes three twelve and 13. The Bible says, I have concluded that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to enjoy themselves as long as they live. And also that everyone should eat and drink and find enjoyment in all their toil. For these things are a gift from God. So if you're out there and you're working a 40-hour week for a living just to send it on down the line, as Brother Randy Owen sung about, and his hit song, 40-Hour Workweek. Uh, you know, you want to come home, crack you open a couple of cold ones. You know, if you want to meet up with the boys and crack a couple of cold ones, I mean, I, you know, hell, I'd stand before the judgment seat of God and say, hey, listen, man, Ecclesiastes 3, 12, and 13 says that I should revel in my toil and get drunk, and I see this as a sign from the Lord. So... That said, church, I'd just like to say that, uh, you know, there's uh, many things the Scripture has to say about many prohibitions it lays out there, but there's also little little workarounds, and, you know, God says that He's the same today, yesterday, and forevermore, but He also said He repented that He made man, so clearly He's capable of changing His mind, so... Um, you know, he also gave King Hezekiah 15 extra years to live after he had called him home. So, you know, it can be done, church, is what I'm trying to say. And, of course, that brings me to the last and final loophole here. And this is for our Jewish brothers and sisters that might be thinking, hey, you know, these Christians might be on to something here. You know, what if I, too, have to stand before the judgment seat one day and give an account for my sins that's... You know, uh, an event that's not uh, not uh, accounted for in the Old Testament necessarily. And I say to you, my Jewish brothers and sisters, that there's hope. And that hope is contained in 
the book of Revelation, verse 7. Let's read a little bit tonight, church. And the Bible says, After this I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or on any tree. The writer here is a poet and didn't know it. Verse 2. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had given power to harm the land and the sea. And he said in verse 3, Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. Verse 4, Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, and that's going to be 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. Verse 5, From the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. And from the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 were sealed. And from the tribe of Gad, 12,000 sealed. Verse 6, from the tribe of Asher, 12,000. From the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000. From the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000. Verse 7, from the tribe of Simeon, 12,000. From the tribe of Levi, 12,000. From the tribe of Issachar, 12,000. Verse 8 says, from the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000. From the tribe of Joseph, 12,000. And lastly, from the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000. And if you tally that all together, folks... That's 144,000 of our Jewish brothers and sisters that are going to be let into the kingdom. Now, you know, that's not a mighty big number, but, you know, that's why we have democracy. So I guess we'll have to draw straws to see who who makes it in and who doesn't. But, Lord, we'll be praying for each and every one of you. And that I'd just like to turn it back over to Brother Ray. Thank you so much, church. How's everybody doing this morning? See, seeing a lot of face masks in the crowd. Well, we won't hold that against you here. the The other day, I was um, I was at the local library doing a little bit of research on some of my favorite topics, like germ theory and phrenology and uh, alchemy. The devil's, the devil's science, right there, alchemy. If you, by the way, if you ever catch your grandkids doing alchemy in the garage, that's how you know that the devil's got a hold of them. So, but anyways, I, I was doing some research and I ran across a friend of mine, and he's uh, he's up here on the stage with me right now, as you can see. Um. Brian, why don't you say a few words? Hey, everybody. How's it going? Brian is um lead singer in um a Christian rock band around here called Reconciled. They're reconciled with God. And, and I thought that maybe he could come up here and sing a song for us. And so, um... Just yeah, give everybody, uh, everybody, just give Brian a warm welcome uh, to the stage. Brian, you want to sing a song? Yeah, that's right. Jesus, yeah, lover of my soul, yeah. Jesus. You can always touch my hole. Okay, okay. Wait, 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 wait. 
rare me from the human clay set my feet upon the rock now I know you're all I ever wanted you're all I ever needed so tell me what to do now cause I want you back Okay, all right, that's that's good enough. Thank you, Brian. Thank, thank you, thank you, Brian from the band Reconcile. Thank you. As I'm sure you all know, we've got uh, we've got some hard times ahead, congregation. Um, I'm sure you've all you've all received in your mail the notification that we are closing down the Trillbilly First Baptist Church. But before we go. Um, I was I was at uh, our local uh, watering hole preaching the good word, mind you. I was not partaking in the libations, as they are called, and uh, and there was a a, a crooner there. Um, his name was Geraldine Forrester. Geraldine Forrester. He's a the third. Um, did not say what his heritage is. He's a crooner from um, the Italian parts of New York City who has who has um, assured me he has found a way to meld the two forms of music we call praise and worship music and bar crooner music. And so I thought this would be a fitting... <clears throat> into our music ministry here. We never got that additional $40 from Bishop Sexton to expand. Maybe if we ever get to reopen, we will get it. Um, but anyways, give it up for Geraldine Forrester Jr. the third, who will be taking us out on Heart of Worship. Thank you so much for your support, congregation. And uh, we'll see you soon. Something that's of worth that will bless your hearts. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within to the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. Thanks for coming out tonight, everybody, and uh, go with God. They're shutting down the church. You can see them right there in the back. The fire marshal has arrived and has told us to all get out of here and disperse. We are in violation of... The quarantine. So thank you for coming out. We'll see you maybe never again. We had a good time in the church and maybe we'll see you again. Goodbye.
Where will our empire? You believe in the wonder-working power of the blood of the Lamb? Of the blood of the Lamb. Uh, is that what you're literally trying to say to me right now? I believe in the ever-working power of the blood of the Lamb. Is it ever working for y'all? I, th- I think it was. What was? What did you just say? Uh, we were all into signs and wonders, so we always said the the like the healing power of the blood. We switched it up. Sometimes it was healing. Sometimes it was wonder working. Wonder working power. You really missed out on the Southern Baptist experience, my friend. Well, to me, it sounds like y'all missed out on the experience. Cause it sounds like Southern Baptist just Pentecostal took their foot off the gas a little bit. <laughs> no, dude, Southern Baptist is way more um, repressive. It's it's way more about denying the urges than Pentecostalism. Because look, <laughs> Pentecostalism is basically witchcraft. Let's just go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's about indulging. Yeah, the signs and wonders. Whereas Southern Baptism is all about, I mean, some Southern Baptists can't even dance. They're not even, that was like the whole premise of that movie Footloose, wasn't it? Footloose was about a Southern Baptist boy that just had a song in his heart that was traveling to his feet and he couldn't do nothing about it. Yeah, it's either Footloose or Dirty Dancing. One of those dancing movies in the 80s, that was the premise. Yeah, I don't think it was Dirty Dancing, which is a masterpiece, but yeah. Which doesn't make a lot of sense to me because... Um, the whole prohibition against dancing doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, because uh, you know, there's so many instances in the Bible of dancing. dancing. David dance dancing. You know, maybe they're trying. Maybe the thing is, is they saw that David danced till his bird fell out. And <laughs> <laughs> they didn't want to repeat the same mistake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I dealt with King David a lot today in today's sermon. He's just a never-ending source of contradiction. <laughs> well, yeah, so the theme for today is loop- loopholes of the Bible. And my man David not only indulged himself in a few loopholes, but also probably flopped his bird in too too many loopholes. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny because the Bible... Basically, imagine you ha- imagine that there is a world historical document read and followed by millions of people, and like the concept of eternal destiny for those millions of people is attributed to these this text. Okay, <laughs> and there are literal whole passages dedicated to naming off your love children. <laughs> <laughs> Just immortalized as a pussy ham. <laughs> and also homosexual. <laughs> <laughs> well, David found himself a few loopholes, that's for sure. Um, I get, and that was, was that even, that was kind of the point of Jesus, I guess, to come, to come around and say, now, we've got a lot of loopholes in the law. Uh, we need to close some of these. I, well, I guess, in a way, Jesus is the ultimate loophole. Jesus is the ultimate loophole. Yeah, that's true. I guess we're talking loopholes. My my loopholes dealt mostly with vice today. You know, there's little workarounds you can do if you, you know, enjoy indulging in substances or 
six, and basically that's all we got. Yeah. Well, we're, here's we're... the here's the thing. Um, if you are a Christian, uh, this is the thing. There, there. Here's one of the the ultimate loophole questions. How far can you go physically until it counts as sex? You know what I'm saying? The yeah. Bible's not clear on this. Yeah. How, See, how far... If, do what? No, 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 no. You're right. There's no clear... I guess if you're looking at Onan, the son of Judah, he was the first person... I guess I guess people just didn't pull out before Onan. Either that or he just got saddled as the pullout king. You know what I mean? He's the guy. <laughs> and uh, so his whole thing was he was into... He, they point to that scripture in Genesis of him like pulling out before he could conceive a child, as like why you shouldn't masturbate, which makes no damn sense. And that's why they call it onanism. Onanism, yeah, because of onan, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense. So, basically, they're saying, don't spill your seed anywhere where it cannot grow on unfertile soil. Yeah, on unfertile soil. Yeah. So, but, I mean, was that a problem in the Bible, dudes just jacking off in the garden? I, uh, here's my thing. Like, in the same way that, like... Everything in the Garden of Eden was covered in cum. But, <laughs> but just jacking <laughs> off on everything. It's like, hey, we gotta do something like, about this. God damn it. <laughs> can't, you can't walk anywhere without getting cum on your feet these days. But the, Sorry, yeah, the, the, the thing about this is, like, this is another thing. It's like, what if... All you were doing was exercising some dick control. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you pull out, and you you don't finish. And now everybody say, points to you as the guy, as the masturbation guy, when you had nothing to do with it. <laughs> like Oldman was getting some pussy. He wasn't masturbating. You know what I'm saying? That's true. You are immortalized as the masturbation guy just for having the foresight. To pull so, out, wow. even more than that, having the dick control to be able to control where you spill your seed. Right. <laughs> so basically, God was saying premature ejaculators are are okay, but guys with dick control are not. I guess he was saying. I guess he was saying like. No, I guess he was probably saying it's good to get your your partner pregnant. It's bad to do everything else. It's like it has to have an end game, you know? <laughs> well, this is this is an interesting this does present an interesting contradiction because if that's the case, that means within the confines of marriage all foreplay is off the table. Yeah, essentially. It's, it's true because it doesn't say anything about marriage, it just has, has to do with sowing your seed on unfertile soil. So if masturbation's a sin, so is even getting oral sex in the context to completion in the context of a marriage that's off limits that's off limits giving oral sex is also off limits not gotta good. be but not good. if you're a if you're a 15 year old pious little angel boy who just wants to get his dick sucked what's the bible say about that see the thing is is you're supposed to practice abstinence although i'm not entirely sure what the bible says about premarital sex i'm sure there are some revisionist history in there about that it's bad 
but well, there's only I, I meant to cover that today. The only thing I could find is in Hebrews where there's like a pretty clear prohibition against it, but there's nothing in the Old Testament against it. I don't that I can find. I see. So, yeah, I should have covered that one, but I felt like it was kind of summed up in. You know. We do have an interesting dialectic in front of us. We have the Old Testament God who is repressed but extremely horny, right? Like Vengeful, wrathful. Vengeful, yeah. wrathful, but extremely horny. I mean, because, like, I, I don't know. There's not a whole lot about self-denial in the Old Testament, at least not in the sense that there is in the New Testament with Jesus. Um, you think... You think uh, you think God's like the ultimate fuck my wife guy? In the sense that he's like this omnipotent voyeur that like watches everybody have sex. You know what I mean? You know like the guys that get off to like some young buck like fucking his wife or something like that? If you're God, you do get to watch billions of people have sex. And that's probably pretty, pretty fun. Well, you probably get desensitized to it after, like, the first millennia of it. Like, he probably doesn't do it anymore. He probably just, like, I don't know. Started making a corny joke about binge-watching something. That's, that was stupid. He just needs freakier and freakier shit, so he makes <laughs> yeah, he's new just... universes where sexual possibilities are so far outside the realm of what we could even conceive of. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> man, he's like... Like watching people with the most depraved sex dungeon shit, and he's just like yawning about it. <laughs> yeah, he like makes a species of aliens that have like eighty thousand dicks on them. The males do, and the female has like eighty thousand vaginas, and they meet in the street and just <laughs> and they just like roll around and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just the most the ultimate shit. pleasure. And he, God's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay, so so you have the God of the Old Testament not telling you... The, here's the thing. The Old Testament is not telling you um, to repress the urges. The Old Testament is basically telling you just don't get caught. Um, it, I mean, people would disagree. They would say, you know, by telling you don't do not lay with another man, uh, that that is repression. But I interpret that to say... Do not lay with another man and get caught because the punishment for that is stoning. It just it just seems like the the law says don't lay the punishment for laying with another man is stoning rather than saying deny yourself the urge of laying with another man. So that that seems like what he's saying in the Old Testament, right? Yeah, do what you do, but keep your head on a swivel. Right. So that seems like a loophole. Yeah. Um do what you do, but keep your. But then, you, but then you have the God of the New Testament in the form of Jesus saying, um, uh, "It's okay to be who you are. Um, you are saved by grace." Just um, doing a bunch of hippie shit, basically. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yes, pretty much. Um, so then you have this like synthesis of the two. So what you get is self repression even though you are saved by grace, which produces a very weird psychological defect as you get older because it means that every time you spill your seed, you have a momentary feeling of extreme guilt. Yeah. And you're not really sure why. It's just a holdover from two, 3,000 years ago. Yeah, imagine, imagine the fact now if you're in that... in 
that boat during these times when there's nothing to do but masturbate. <laughs> it's just, you would just feel like absolute shit the whole time. Plus, you'd have the lingering specter of death from this fucked up virus in front of you, too. It's just, like, probably the worst time to be, like, a 14-year-old <laughs> kid. Yeah. A 14-year-old kid um, who is concerned with um, at least remaining pious. Yeah. Because, again, the loophole here is that the Bible doesn't specify what premarital sex is. And so this is the loophole that many kids would engage in. They would just have anal sex because that's not actually sex. I had a, I had a buddy that, that did anal sex for the longest time, but not because of like the sin aspect, because he thought it was safer. He was worried about STDs. And he thought that, like, for some reason, like, you didn't get STD, you couldn't get STDs from anal sex. Interesting. I'd probably, probably tarried a little longer at the literature on that subject before I would have went off doing that. He's <laughs> like, yeah, man, I thought it was great. I thought I didn't have to wear a condom or anything. <laughs> Interesting. Well, um, so what about other loopholes? You got any other loopholes for us? Um, well, I dealt specifically with the, the issue of substances and drinking in particular, because there's drinking is one of those things that there's like a conflict in the scriptures over. I mean, the Bible has lots of prohibitions against finding yourself drunk, but nothing explicitly saying it's wrong to drink alcohol. In fact, everybody drank wine because you couldn't drink the water. But this is an interesting one because this is like, when we talk about American evangelicalism is sort of this like weird techno American religion, like uniquely American monstrosity. Like a lot of the things we think are scripturally forbidden are actually just forbidden in American society. Like so like the idea that Christians can't drink isn't really even much older than prohibition. That was just something the church used during the era of prohibition to like I don't know, for whatever reason. Um but, uh, so that was one, you know, the scripture says to not find yourself drunk. I mean, there's a lot of scriptures about, like, avoiding drunkenness. But there's also the writer of Ecclesiastes just is on some, like, joyous shit and says that, you know, that you should find joy in everything you do. It, the scripture in particular says that he became drunk and reveled in his toil, and he saw this as a sign from God. And then what I cited is Ecclesiastes 3, where he says that, I find it good that everybody should eat and drink and be merry and so forth, paraphrasing. And enjoy their toil. <laughs> Which is funny because it's like, also you should just what, do what you love. <laughs> right, right. And then he says, you know, he saw this as like the blessing of God or whatever. Right. So, you know, it's okay to drink. <laughs> well, let's let's look at before we go, let's look at the sort of evolution of the institutions that cater to sin in general. And I'm referring, of course, to the ultimate loophole machine, the the most ingenious, innovative loophole machine to have ever graced humanity. And I'm referring, of course, to the indulgences system in the Catholic Church, wherein you could pay the church a certain amount for an indulgence, 
and then they would let you essentially do the sin that you would want to do. No, that's the this is this is the good stuff. That's the that is what some people uh, was you know listening to David Harvey the other day talking about capitalism or about capital and uh, and he was talking about how some people say that the Catholic Church is one of the earliest capitalistic innovators because they turned sins or they turned forgiveness into a commodity that you could purchase. <laughs> From the church for your sins. In a way, and, the Catholics the Catholics innovated the idea of turning immaterial things into commodities. They're sort of the precursors to podcasting in that way. They're they're the pre they're the innovators of content. <laughs> Selling an immaterial commodity that also cuts your overhead. It's like the it's like the best thing, you know, the best in capitalism because you don't have to spend a whole lot of money to get off the ground either. Right. No, it and in and it and it creates the most like I said, the most ingenious loophole system ever seen. Um, yeah. Doesn't I think doesn't Marx kinda takes a pot shot at the Catholics in, in capital. And what he says about the uh it's a joke about the Pope. Well, so yeah, that's that's a pretty good um set of loopholes. So if this is the season if this is the finale of Sunday service, which it, it might not be, maybe we'll come back at some other time, but for the time being we have to go we have to we have to go and create other contents in other content minds. Um but if you're trying to take away some sort of lessons here, what are the lessons? Um is it look for the loopholes and um and depend on the fact that you're saved by grace or is it avoid the loopholes at all costs and be a good little pious um saintly Christian? I think the message is look for the helpers and if you can't find the helpers look for the loopholes. <laughs> That's a good message. If that doesn't work, just loot and pillage. There are no rules anymore, folks. <laughs> I think that's a good message. It's a good message to go out on. Um, you know, uh, you are saved by grace. I I personally am. I can do whatever I want. I have been baptized in the blood of the Lamb. That's a good decision you made earlier on because you'd probably just feel ridiculous getting baptized now. But we got it. We got in on it before it was embarrassing to do so. That's exactly right. So like I, I can live the rest of my life however I want to, and God has to be grudgingly like, all right. <laughs> yeah, God. Yeah, I guess I did say that. <laughs> Technically, he got baptized. You can come in. So I, I have lived Pascal's wager. I, at an early stage in my life, decided to get baptized, and now. I'm saved by grace regardless. So if if after this life there is the Christian afterlife, I'm good. You're covered both ways, man. Right. But that is not a blank slate for being an asshole. Yeah, um, that's true too. Because here's the thing. You are put on this earth to harvest souls. And so while you yourself, you may live the most um, reprehensible life but be saved by grace and God has to begrudgingly let you through those pearly gates. It's all about all the souls you bring with you as well. 
And so you, your place on this earth is not just as your individualistic uh, role as a sinner or whatever. It is the message you spread to others. And so even though you may have found the ultimate loophole, um, what you do in this life determines what the afterlife will be like. Will you take your friends with you or will all your friends go to hell and you'll be lonely in heaven by yourself? Questions to ask. Very important questions to ask. Very important questions. Look, you can't podcast between heaven and hell. That's that's a that's just we know that you can't do Zoom calls with your buddies in hell while you're in heaven. Yeah. So think about that. Maybe heaven could be hell. <laughs> Remember that Newsboys song? They don't serve breakfast in hell. <laughs> they they updated for 2020. They don't do Zoom calls in hell. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So your life of sin. May get you to a point to where you can get into heaven, but that will itself be a form of hell because all of your sinful friends will be in hell having a blast without you, and they can't call you on Zoom. So just think about that, huh? Just think about it. Yeah. You're going to be wondering what's going on down there, aren't you? (laughs) You got FOMO about hell. (laughs) FOMO about hell. (laughs) And And that is your own private hell. So anyways, don't look for the loopholes. Look for the helpers. Uh, lead, lead a godly life. Um, don't cough on anybody. Sneeze into your elbows. Social distance. Um, and um, Hoard hand sanitizer. Hoard resources. <laughs> you know, and this show... At the end, I've been doing a little bit of T-Ray's um, Christian Guide to Secular Music. Christian Music Guide to Secular Music. And I kind of neglected to find one for this week. But I think that the Newsboys' Breakfast in Hell is a good way to go out. I think that's a good song to go out on. It's one of my favorites. What would you say is the secular music equivalent of Newsboys? They were kind of like... Um, uh, kind of like the Bare Naked Ladies almost. Yeah, they were very much like the bare naked ladies. You know, they didn't have nearly as catchy a. Yeah, I guess they kind of did. They had that. I I don't know where or how. Just take me to your leader. That song. I guess that song was kind of like one week because they start singing a lot of words fast and kind of a sing songy rhyme. What? Yeah, they're kind of the bare naked ladies of Christian music world. Also. Let me give a full throated endorsement. I've been really getting back into Starflyer Fifty Nine, who. I think unironically is an incredible man. <laughs> well, they were like Pedro the Lion. Um, they they were kind of on the margins of Christian music. Like their lyrics weren't overtly Christian. They were just signed uh, to a Christian label. Right. And they were, uh, but they are excellent. Yeah. They are an excellent band. Yeah. Um, so if you like uh, like My Bloody Valentine or Jesus and Mary Chain, you'd probably like Starflyer 59. Yeah, yeah. Or um, they kind of honestly sort of bridged the shoegaze divide. They were kind of the in between between My Bloody Valentine and like Beach House. Yeah, because a lot of their songs are kind of low key as well. Yeah. Damn. Wow. Well, all right. So those are some good recommendations. We'll go out on Newsboys. Um, we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you soon. If you'd like to tithe and support 
the Tribbilly Baptist Church, which is going out of business for the foreseeable future. <laughs> Unless you um, do something about that and give us 10% of your income. <laughs> P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Trillbilly Workers Party. We thank you for joining us for church, for making these last few weeks a blast, and for listening to us experiment with all kinds of musical forms and... Um, and uh, exegetical forms, um, sermon forms. It's been a fun time. All right. Well, in that case, I guess we'll see you soon. Uh, goodbye. Hold the milk, put back the sugar. They are powerless to console. We gathered here to sprinkle ashes from our late free cereal bowl. Breakfast lovers said the motto that he taught us to repeat. You will lose it in your gym class If you wake till noon to eat Back when the chess club said our eggs were soft Every Monday he'd say grace and hold our juice alone Anonymous knew 